1: We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right, sell your car the instant way and get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Welcome to Rebels Radio with Cameron Orr on the Sporting Capital. SEM. Uh, Yes, indeed. Welcome to Rebels Radio with Cameron Orr. Sam Hargrove's here as well. Heaps to get through tonight and it's great to have Rebels Radio with Cameron Orr back. We will get to know uh, another one of our Melbourne Rebels stars. And it's about time that we do this because we are actually going to learn more about our Super W. Players, so we're really looking forward to having a chat to Melanie Kawa, who's standing by and ready to roll, and we'll welcome her in in just a minute. But the star of the show, of course, his name's in the title. He's the Danny Crane uh, of this show. If you know your Boston legal references, uh, Cameron. Or hello to you, mate.
2: Damn, how good, mate. We're back again. Bit sad though, last one for the year, mate. Last one.
1: It is very sad, so let's make the most of it. Um, a little later on, Rebels Rugby Thesaurus will be back, the fans corner where you can ask questions. Just go to the Melbourne Rebels Instagram page and leave any question you'd like uh, for our two uh, superstars to answer. Uh, Cameron, would you like to introduce our special guest tonight, please?
2: I would. I, uh, I'm very humbled to be able to uh, introduce Mel Kawa, a uh, very esteemed member of the Melbourne Rebels Super W team, but just... Rugby Victoria in general. Um, welcome. Thank you for coming on.
0: Thanks for having me, Cam. Hi, Sam. You saved the best for last, it looks like.
1: Absolutely. We couldn't have uh, finished off the uh, the series in any better way. Um, guys, the Trans-Tasman Review, before we get into our fast fire, our five quick questions for Mel and then go a little bit deeper in segment two. Um the Trans Tasman. In the end, uh, wasn't a great way for you guys to finish. Cam the Crusaders just ended up being too strong. Uh, what were, you, what was the sort of takeaway for you guys on the way that the finish ended, up, way that the season ended up?
2: Well, I guess we finished up with that carrot dangling. I mean, we scored three, four tries against arguably the best um, club team in the world. So look, we know we can attack. We know we can play good rugby. Um, and I think we took some big learnings out of that game. We had a lot of young guys debut. Uh, we had a lot of, lot of guys playing out of position. And guys had to step up. And they're the sort of things that I think we're going to take forward into next year and, and the future years. We've got plenty of guys who've, who've soaked up a lot out of that game and the whole Trans-Tasman series. So, look, real real positive. Of course, the result wasn't ours, but we'll take a lot of positives out of it, definitely.
1: And you farewelled some uh, much-loved stalwarts of the club.
2: Yeah, it's probably probably a really sad time because you know all of them fantastic parts. We lose you know Dane Haylett-Petty um, back to Perth with his family, which you know we go with a blessing, and Marika and a few of the other boys, Issy Nasarani, Frank Lamani, all these fantastic players who've contributed so much to Melbourne Rebels and and Victorian rugby. So yeah, look, really devastated that they have to move on, but that that is part of rugby. But We'll hold some great memories with these with these guys, and we know they're going to go on and, and take a little bit of the love they found at uh, Melbourne Rebels and take it into their future careers. Uh, we're really proud of it and uh, happy for them.
1: Before we get to the return of Super W, obviously the final of the Trans Tasman series was an all New Zealand affair, which I know would have stung the Australian Super Rugby teams. Uh, the Blues and the Highlanders Blues 23 to 15 winners. Uh, Mel, what did you make of the game?
0: Oh, look, it went right down to the wire. But um, I was really impressed with both teams throughout the entire season. Um, Highlanders um, always held their nerve at the last minute, but they just couldn't do it in front of um, the home crowd there at Eden Park, Auckland. And I felt really happy for the Blues and for rugby in general because it was a bit of an underdog story. And, yeah, they, they deserved that win.
1: Cam, what were your takeaways? Oh it was a fantastic game.
2: I mean Highlanders probably went into the year a little bit as underdogs and even uh the first comp their AT Auroa comp they, they kind of struggled a little bit, but they just seemed to hang in games and they did that on the weekend i think well I think all of their points all by one came from penalties, so they just any any snippet points they take it and look exciting for the game um Blues have been fantastic all year, so i did i had my i had my uh my money on them to win so I thought they just persevered. They've shown some really exciting rugby and what a turnaround in three, four years for them. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago they were, you know, bottom, bottom of the table, struggling to, you know, and New South Wales Waratahs were beating it. So that says
0: a lot. <laughs> yeah, Tana Umanga did a great job.
1: Hey, Cam, um, before we speak Super W, what's the next couple of months look like for you? Are you on some time off now or what happens?
2: Yeah, so we're delaying our time off as a group uh, to a little bit later in the year. We're actually going to try to play a bit of club rugby and get some more rugby under our belts. Unfortunately, a couple of years ago, the National Rugby Championship got cut um, just with COVID and other things. So we, we still need to play lots of games. I mean, myself, I've only played seven games this year. Most guys have only played 10 to 12. So, you know, look over in Europe, they're playing up to 25, 30 games a year. So we definitely need some more rugby under our belts. And then... We'll just work on our individual skills and needs and some guys will be doing extra fitness because they've enjoyed their last few weeks of the season and some other guys will just be resting up and, and nursing some injuries back to full health. Who's your club? Uh, so club down here would be Morabin Rams, but then I'll be back between here and the Sydney, Sydney competition if uh, borders allow.
1: Uh, and Mel... As one season ends, another begins. The return to action for the first time in 468 days of Super W. How did it feel to be back?
0: Yeah, it was been a long time between um, that high-level clash. It, was, it felt really, really good. Um, good to just get some some of that rugby under our belt. It was our actual first game. We didn't get a trial match, unfortunately, due to the COVID restrictions, the most recent one. So um, that was our first hit out. And, um, yeah, it was just great for the girls to get out on the park.
1: All right. Now, this is where Cameron Orr. Uh, we, we start off with just a few listeners, Mel. Uh, our special guest uh, is Mel Kawa and just a couple of easy ones just to get you going. And then uh, we will come back and ask some more probing sort of stuff to get to know you just a little bit better. So, Cam, the floor is yours. Take it away. The five quick ones.
2: Beautiful. Thank you. All right, Mel. So first one is who was your childhood rugby hero?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, Well, growing up in PNG, there was a lot of league. So I watched a lot of league and um, it was more, you know, the New South Wales Blues that I was was obsessed with. But then once I got into rugby, I actually really loved um, Richie McCaw. That's an easy fan favourite. But I also was pretty obsessed with Bismarck Duplessy. He was a great hooker and I thought he was just, Uh, like, game-changing, yeah.
2: Your most annoying teammate to travel with and
0: (laughs) what? Um... I don't know about annoying, but I love them all. But Ash Masters, there's something going on, like real cheeky. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, just got to keep one eye open at all times. Uh,
2: I love it. And what does Melkawa get up to away from rugby?
0: Oh, man, I've got a full plate. So if I'm not playing rugby, I'm probably coaching um, with Rugby Victoria as a development officer. That's something I really like to do. Um, but I'm also a full-time worker. I work for the Department of Health. So that keeps me busy. And I'm also a student. I study um, at the University of Melbourne as well. So very, very full plate.
2: Huge. Uh, your greatest rugby memory?
0: There's so, there are so many. I really can't pick just one, but one of the greater one was bringing, winning a club premiership. It means so much to me at that level, because that's the one you spend the most time with, like, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and the entire Saturday for like six months. Um, so there was a premiership I won with the University of Queensland actually in Brisbane that I waited eight years for. Like oh, just really kept making great, the finals, that, kept that, losing.
2: That
0: was the Red Heavies, yeah. Um that's where I made my debut, that club. So it uh, meant a lot to me to wait eight years and then finally win that premiership by one point after the sirens. So one of those ones.
2: It's a win, that's huge. And finally, if you had to recommend one place to eat in Melbourne, what would it be?
0: Oh, uh I'm really loving getting out and enjoying this Melbourne food, which I didn't get to do much last year. But I live in uh near Flemington, Kensington area and there's a lot of like uh Somali food and some Ethiopian eats around my way. So it's where you get in with your hands, none of this fancy tablecloth stuff. You just <laughs> I like it. <laughs> grubby stuff.
1: Uh oh, Melbourne. We are going to come back and find out a little bit more about you. But just uh, on the game on the weekend, so obviously it wasn't a great day in terms of the score. And you mentioned it was the only game you guys had been able to play before the season. So you didn't get any lead-ins. You didn't get any trial games. 30-5 to uh, over the Brumbies. Just better for the run. What were the positives to come out of the game?
0: Oh, I, well, if anyone watched that game, they would have thought, we should have been up by two tries in the first 20 minutes. We had them, you know, parked in their 22. But, um, yeah, we played some really, really gutsy rugby. But for the for the first time playing together, we were a little bit frantic. We are kind of all just watching each other going, who's going to do what? Um, so, yeah, really tough to end the game with that score. But so many positives coming out of that. Um, we've reviewed the tape and we'll be a much tighter um, team come this this Sunday we play, when we play the Reds. Um, but what was really, really good about the game is we blooded 14 new Rebels. Those 14 girls got their first cap for the Melbourne Rebels, which is just a great statement about how many... Um, girls are coming to join and play at that higher level, so the future is very bright.
1: Uh, it certainly is, and you've got the Reds on Sunday, you head to Coffs Harbour, so that should be really exciting, uh, and obviously we're, we're, just, we're very confident that it'll be uh, a much, uh, in terms of scoreline, uh, more pleasing outcome uh, for the Rebels, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, and we continue to get to know Mel Kawa. We're focusing in on Super W because the, uh, the Super Rugby season is finished, the Super W season is just starting, so Rebels Radio with Cameron Orr, our final Episode uh, and the wonderful Mel Kawa is our special guest tonight. We'll continue to get to know her a little bit more on the other side of this on Rebels Radio. Welcome, Welcome to Rebels, Rebels Radio, Radio with Cameron All on the sporting capital, SCN. Uh, welcome back to Rebels Radio with Cameron Orr, special guest Mel Kawa today. And we're going to get to know Mel uh, in a lot greater detail in just a moment when Cameron Orr, uh, in his sort of Michael Parkinson style of uh, interviewing, uh, just incredibly in-depth and poignant. And you never know what we're going to find out about our special guest every week. But Mel, before we do that, the game on the weekend against the Brumbies, what unfolded? In the lead-up to this game, because from what I understand, there was uh, quite the calamitous situation that ensued.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I feel for our poor manager, Uncle Dave. We love him, but um, unfortunately, something happened with the jerseys. Um, so, we our playing kit was left at uh, Melbourne Airport, oh, and no. we we rocked up and had to kindly ask the local footy teams to give us some kit. So thankfully, I think it was East um, out there in Canberra and Queenby and Whites gave us the socks. So really thankful to them. Uh, they were, happily, they were, they were the same colours, but just a different strip. So.
1: If, if you had a one, you might, have, uh, might have, might, you might have done it every week. Uh, Cam,
0: <laughs>
1: let's get to know Mel a little bit better. Take it away.
2: No, that's wonderful. I'm still laughing about that, having to have a different kit. But you may do. It was pretty good. Um, So we're just going to go back right to the start. So Papua New Guinea and born, moved to Queensland, was it, first?
0: That's right, yeah, when I was about 14.
2: Oh, wow. And then, so did your love for rugby come from growing up in Papua New Guinea or when you went to Queensland? How did it all arise?
0: It was much later. Um, It was when I went to university, so at the University of Queensland, um, and it was there that I found the rugby club through a friend. And um, the University of Queensland Rugby Club is – one of those clubs that just almost breeds, you know, wallabies and reds and stuff. So they had this, like, really strong culture of rugby that I just got obsessed with and um, started playing in 2006 and haven't stopped. It really changed my life.
2: Ah, beautiful. And was there much – what was the competition like in Queensland? Was there a lot of women's clubs there or how how did it work?
0: Yeah, there's a rich culture of rugby there. Um, The first women's teams, I think – started in about in the nineties, around ninety four. Um and yeah, like I said, they they had a lot of um experienced girls. So there was players that went to several World Cups um, playing for the club and and so the competitive nature in, in Brisbane and, and Queensland Women's Rugby was really, really evident and always with that age old battle with um New South Wales. Um and Victoria was also in the mix. I remember growing up in the in the two thousands, yeah.
2: Oh, huge. And it must have went uh, pretty okay because then you signed professionally over in France. Um, how was that? How did that come about? And what was that like making a decision to go into professional rugby and, and, and make that choice? I mean, it's a big life decision.
0: Yeah, well, you know what it was? It didn't exist. It didn't exist back when I was looking for it in 2014. Um, I was just playing club rugby and a coach sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, Mel, I think you could maybe play higher honours if you really wanted it. So I pulled together every single resource that I had, every – piece of footage that someone had filmed from the sidelines or on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, I made myself a little um, highlight reel and I tried to shop it around. So I looked for agents that would look after women's and there were none. So I had to do it myself. Um, I sent some um, to New Zealand, Hong Kong, I think England, and I was just about, about to sign in England Uh, when a club in France got back to me um, and I'd always wanted to play in France because they had the Women's World Cup there in 2014 and I saw the way they played rugby over there. I said, I really want to learn that. So they got back to me and the next thing I knew, I was just on a plane over there. um, And after a bit of a trial session, yeah, landed a contract that um, I really enjoyed. I I was at Montpellier Rugby Club for a year in the south of France. So it was very, very rewarding.
2: And that's that's pretty. It must make me pretty proud that you you've kind of fought your own way, and you you put your hand up, and you've taken initiative to to really take control of that. What were some of the uh, experiences you took from that? In you know life experience, obviously the rugby wise, you would have learned a lot over there, but other other things apart from that.
0: Yeah, well, like I was the only. Um, étrangers is what they call them over there like just strangers in the women's team that is but in the men's team you Jake White was the coach there so he had about three four ex-brumbies over there um, and Bismarck Duplessy was there so I got to meet my childhood um, hero while I was over there in France but look the way they treat the women's competition in France I have to say is, is very different um, compared to Australia in that they had this club linked up with the men's club that like forced every top 14 men's club to have a women's side. So they were really developing that, um, that level of, um, you know, professional sports women. They also paid us. uh, Yeah. So they started treating us like uh, professional athletes. And then in turn we started feeling really valued and um, you know, with the likes of some French national players and things like that, I really got a taste for what it would be like. um, Yeah. To be a professional uh, rugby woman. So uh, not only that, the coaching was fantastic. I got to learn a whole new Northern Hemisphere style of rugby, which was much more forward-oriented, and, and that suits me as a flanker. So um, picked up a lot of skills, and then I brought it back home to Australia.
2: Oh, beautiful. And I've obviously seen uh, the contact part of the game that you've brought back uh, is a big part of your game now um, in playing in the back row and, and uh, making sure you get a few turnovers here and there. What was the main decision to come back to Australia and then obviously on to, on to Melbourne?
0: So it really was honestly just a bit of a lonely thing. Like I, I got uh, I got to the point where I was looking at another season and then I was just thinking, oh, I miss my family too much and and my, my father, I hadn't seen him in a while. So I came home um, to just start a new chapter um, and uh, because I had to sort of Pay my own way over there and get like a part-time job, um, teaching English and stuff like that. I'd also sort of spent all my money. <laughs> it was yeah. it was it was like a part-time job that um, contract. So I decided to come back and pr- sort of get a job and save some more money.
2: Ah, beautiful. I mean, I know exactly what you talk about. Like when you have a family back here and it's hard, and especially in a you know non non-eng- in non English speaking country, it's it's quite a difficult thing. And I know technology is getting better and makes it closer, but You still feel that difference. But um, when you came back to Melbourne, you you obviously did some great work working with Rugby Victoria, but also named captain twice, uh, two years in a row, for the Melbourne Rebels W team. What was that like? What what kind of, uh, what sort of feelings do you get from that, uh, with that responsibility and I guess that leadership that you've got now?
0: Yeah, the move to Melbourne was a no-brainer. I had um, one experience uh, actually through the pathway of sevens. A friend of mine was playing sevens down here in Melbourne and asked if I'd want to want to have a jam, and I came down and I absolutely loved it. I adored um, the the girls that I met through the rugby community down here, and um, yeah, then I got tapped on the shoulder by Alana Thomas, Super W uh, head coach, and she asked if I'd make the move. So just packed up all my stuff, just like I've done many times before traveling around the world for rugby. And I made the move to Melbourne. And um, I think that the years and years of, um, you know, even playing in Queensland and then, you know, having a couple of stints overseas and stuff, I built a, this this type of experience and like a, a level head. And there were not many things that I hadn't seen on a rugby field, I started to realize. And then I think that that captaincy role just came um, real naturally because, um, yeah, if I if I could learn rugby in a different language, there was nothing really that yeah. um, I was scared of doing here. But then it was the it was the girls themselves, the ones that play down here in Victoria. Um, I loved their um, exuberance; like they just wanted to learn as much rugby as possible. And I just found myself um, in that role, and, and I'm I'm really um, honoured and humbled to actually have this role still.
2: Yeah, and you can see that hunger with, with the way the girls play and and go forward. It's fantastic, um, and I guess we're into like the Super W's fourth season now. Has the growth been quite quite big in the in the standard of the like Victorian rugby?
0: Oh gosh, it's right up there. Like it's it, that's what you get when you. You put investment into the women's game, you just get um, players with high-performance bodies, um, skills. Um, we've got some of the you know best coaches in the country, in Alana um, and Leigh. they are both ex-Wallaroos. Like they're just um, sharing that knowledge with with the youth, and and yeah, combined with a couple of stalwarts as well, uh, Victoria's got um, big, big things coming. So, guys, we're
1: just pretty much out of time, but we can't leave without uh, going to our Rebels Rugby Thesaurus. Each week we focus on a word heavily used in rugby and what its meaning is. So we'll let you guys decide who's going to take this one. The charge down is our last phrase in the Rebels Rugby Thesaurus. Who's going to take this one?
2: Uh, This is all Mel's, this one. Go for it,
1: Mel. What's the charge down?
0: What does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, that's when uh, you sort of put your body on the line and, and get risk getting a football to the face um, by putting pressure on a kicker and um, just trying to get the ball to, I guess, deflect off your arms and then follow it up and dive on it. That's usually how how you want it to go, but it can come off um, painful.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, we are pretty much out of time uh, for Rebels Radio with Cameron Orr. Um, But just for the both of you, just in one word, no explanation, is there a player you've both modelled your game on? Just just give us the name, Mel. Um,
0: I'd say Claire Malloy. She's the number seven for Ireland. She's um, short in stature, but, boy, she works really, really hard and is a pest, so I like her game.
1: Beautifully done. Cam, we've already we've heard yours all before, so we don't need to get yours yeah. again. Who is yours again? Ben Robinson. Beautiful. Hey, it's been wonderful, Beautiful. Cam. You've done a brilliant job of Rebels Radio with Cameron All, mate. Thank you so much. It's been a treat.
2: Thank you, Sam. It's been a wonderful year. I appreciate it, mate.
1: And Mel, thank you to you and good luck against the Reds this weekend.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you both.
1: Uh, there we go. Another edition and the final edition of Rebels Radio with Cameron Orr. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can get on to their website and onto the SEM website if you missed any of it and tune in to the podcast as well. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp.